and welcome back listeners to another production of Go Be Wyoming. On this episode, I sit down with Mark Strawn, former AAPL president and WAPL president. Mark and I get to discuss his career as a landman almost 40 years um, and also his insight into the industry and how things are probably going to change for landmen, things that have already changed. Um, and kind of how the energy industry in Wyoming is being affected. You don't want to miss this interview. Let's get into it. And welcome in everyone. Uh, I'm sitting down with Mark Strawn, a uh, independent land man. Um, Mark, thanks for sitting down with me via Zoom, and uh, we'll kind of just start uh, into your career a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Um, how did you get started um, out as a landman? Uh, I started in uh, 1976. I started uh, when I was in high school uh, with a, a title company in Bozeman, Montana, American Land Title Company. And I started off as a runner for them. And then after four years, I was up to looking at title. And that's where I got my understanding of the difference between deeds and mortgages and leases and things like that. And then uh, from that, uh, we had uh, owned a real estate company in Bozeman. And uh, we had a, a family a member come over to a dinner one night. And he was talking about his son being a landman up in Williston, North Dakota. And uh, so they were talking about what they were looking for. And at the time it was uh, single guys uh, that, uh, that could be away from home yep. and uh, you know, that had a background in abstracting or law or something along that particular line. And went over to Williston, interviewed for two days and uh, got a job and went to work for uh, Bruce Elfson, who was one of the largest brokers in Williston in the, uh, in the early 80s and so that's how I got my start. And then you've been in it ever since. I have. Uh, uh, we worked for them for a long time uh, and uh, it got slow in the 80s a little bit and they farmed me out with uh, another company in, in the Wilson area called Cody Oil and Gas and my wife Kathy Hansen who's also a CPL uh, worked as the head of title for Cody Oil and Gas, and I was the head of title for Bruce Elfson's 50 Landmen. And uh, they merged us together on a project. We went to Wyoming, worked in Cheyenne for six months. And then when we got back together, we got back together and formed our own company and started from there. And then the rest is history, as they like to say. Yeah, we, uh, we moved in 1980. Uh, six or 87, I guess, down to Cheyenne, uh, got married in 89, uh, and set up uh, the original, our original brokerage, which was Hanson and Strong mm -hmm. uh, Energy Land Services, and then ultimately Hanson and Strong Incorporated. Uh, and uh, we worked through that all the way through to 2007, and supposedly retired the first time in 2007. Uh, and uh, uh, turned our company over to um, uh, two of our employees that were working with us at uh, Hanson and Strong. That was Steve Stacy, who just passed away here a couple of weeks ago, and Jason Hoover, and they formed up Hoover and Stacy. And so they moved into the same exact company that uh, 
We built the building, they moved into the offices. We closed on Friday, they opened on Monday as Hoover and Stacy, and the rest is where it is. And then Steve had a major heart attack shortly thereafter and I came back to work uh, at uh, Hoover and Stacy and have been working for him ever since. So. Awesome, awesome. Um, you know, you've been doing it a long time. What, what do you enjoy about the profession? Now you kind of, uh, briefly you had a little uh, real estate kind of um, experience, but mostly it sounds like it's been in oil and gas, but what do you love about the kind of the land profession? Well, in the uh, real estate side was an investment. Uh, I was still working full time doing uh, uh, land work and real estate. I just invested with members of my family. We bought a Cobalt Banker franchise in Bozeman. Gotcha. And so I was kind of a money uh, side partner. I had a real estate license, but you know, they were doing all that type of work and everything. And it was purely an investment type of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what, 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 uh, um, what do you like about uh, the land work then? You know, I, I like it because it's different every day. And, you know, I've always liked talking and negotiating with people and, you know, they all have different things. My father was a veterinarian and I used to, when I was a kid, go out with him and, uh, you know, he had a good way of talking with farmers and ranchers about their cattle and their, you know, their livestock and everything. And right. I always thought that that was a great thing. And uh, I, you know, I'm just, I get bored very easily. And so to uh, sit around and, you know, be an accountant and fill out the same form every single day for the rest of my life, it doesn't appeal to me. And so we got pretty good size with Hanson and Strawn as far as, states we were covering and you know every state was different every tactic was different every negotiation was different and uh, the people are great i mean it's landmen are a great group of people so awesome yeah that's um i think i told you i interviewed Lindsay uh, dossett at pacer uh -huh. she said she said the exact same thing it's the people you know it's it's who you get to deal with um and and it's kind of different every time um so I don't want to date you a little bit, Mark, but you've been around the industry a long time. How has the profession of the landman changed? And what have you seen, you know, from when you started to now, you know, what, what are kind of some major differences that you see? Well, I am. You just mentioned Lindsay and to date me, uh, I worked with her mom and dad when they <laughs> first started. And uh, Kathy and I both have uh, close to 40 years as landmen. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's changed. Tremendously. Everything in the original days were all done pen and paper, long, you know, legal pads. Nobody had computers. We all thought that that was amazing that somebody could do something on a computer. You type leases with carbon paper and, you know, since you can make triplicates and do all that type of thing. Uh, you very rarely talked to anybody on the phone. You always got the car, drove and saw the person that, you know, so now it's gotten a lot higher tech quality to it. But at the same point in time, uh, that's a downside because a lot of the new young landmen never leave their office. And if they can't buy a lease over the phone, you know, it just can't be bought. Well, you gotta, yeah, you gotta go out and talk to the landowners. You gotta look them in the eye and find out what their concerns are and make them comfortable with you. And, you know, so there's pluses and minuses with both professions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm glad I've I've had some older, you know, experienced landmen help me out. Um, and uh, that's 
you know, that's one of the things I love is actually, I, I, I don't, uh, I try and not do a deal ever over the phone. That's you, you got to go meet them. And even if they, even if they're easy going, it's like, I still want to meet you and let's, maybe I can bring you a check or something like, uh, let's make this fun. Yeah. Yeah. While. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So let's jump into Mark. So, you know, you've had a, a close to, um, you and Kathy have close to 40 years experience, but you've been a part of some great organizations. Um, and the first one I want to touch on is you were the WAPL president. Um, what was that like? You know, uh, uh, it's a small group. Lindsay's been president. Uh, my wife, Kathy, was president of WAPL also. Uh, it's just something I think that if you're around for longevity, ultimately you'll be a, you know, a member of it. Um, I, I, I'm just a real firm believer that, uh, that if you're going to be in a profession, I don't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever you're going to do, you need to be involved with your state associations and your national associations. Mm -hmm. I mean, lawyers are members of the American Bar Association. That's their national, but they're also a member of the Wyoming State Bar Association. Right. The WAPL, the Wyoming Association of Professional Landmen, is that association for landmen in the state of Wyoming. And uh, I just think it's very important that if you're going to try and act and, and, and uh, uh, do business in the state, you need those connections, those relationships, and, uh, you know, and that continuing education specific to the area that you're working in. Right. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and when you were president, you had the unique opportunity to be um, – kind of on the, the WAPL board when the University of Wyoming uh, began their, uh, their land management program. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, I was president the year that it started. And, uh, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting story. They, um, uh, the, the Professor Roth from the university uh, came to us and came to our, one of our uh, board meetings, uh, WAPL board meeting. And he's the one that introduced it and said, "Hey, we're going to do uh, we're going to do this program. We'd like you guys to support us and blah blah blah." And uh, he told us all about it, and it was all theoretical and it was kind of feel good stuff. And you know, there was you know, it's kind of like oil and gas or the demon industries. You know, we took a vote of the board of directors and we turned him down one hundred percent. And we said, uh, "Not going to do it." You, you aren't representing what we're going to do. And uh, I talked to him afterwards and said, you know, if you'd like us to help you design a program at the college that is truly, you know, something that would benefit the land professional community, uh, I said, we'd do that. And we did. And uh, it became one of the top um, uh, PLM programs in the United States. Uh, it's a four-year program. Uh, it's very difficult uh, to get into uh, and to stay in. Uh, you've got to take law classes, uh, and you're not dumbing down law classes for landmen. You're sitting in there with the lawyers competing to take the same classes that they're taking. And so, uh, you know, it was a really good program, and, and I'm really proud of it, and I've been involved with it all along um, in the last couple of years. AAPL sponsors it. You can you can form a PLM program, but until you get the national sponsorship of it as a certified program of the AAPL, 
you just a PLM program. Well, there's 13 of them in North America that are certified by AAPL. And uh, in the last couple of years, two years in a row, uh, Wyoming had the top student in the country, including Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, top land student in the country. Um, uh, like a year before last and the and you know in the subsequent year yeah. and that says a lot there are very few schools that get get that opportunity to do that right yeah and so what's what's your current role right now i think you're still on the advisory board aren't you not I'm on the advisory board we meet once twice a year and just kind of review the program i'm also have been uh, on the accreditation committee for aapl and so i'm kind of aapl's uh, other outside member uh, that is there if they've got to have any type of review of the program and stuff. Gotcha. What do you see in that program that um, may have some struggles, um, you know, in the future? Well, they're all, all the programs in the country, including Wyoming, are struggling right now. And part of that is just enrollment. And there's a possibility that that program at Wyoming could go away just because there's not enough new students taking it. You know, you can't have a program if you only have five students. Right. And, and part of that is just due to the nature of the business right now. It really got big and powerful and strong when all the uh, uh, shale plays and, and the, the mass amount of people came into the, into the profession. But with all the layoffs and the overproduction that's going on currently, there's fewer and fewer people being involved. Wyoming's always suffered too because there's no major employers in Wyoming. What I mean by that is, you know, Chevron doesn't have an office in the state of Wyoming. Uh, you know, you don't go to Exxon's office. And so most of the companies in Wyoming are either small family companies like Wolds or somebody like that, uh, and uh, or uh, you're working for the major brokers, uh, you know, Hoover and Stacy or Pacer or, uh, you know, uh, several of the other ones that do that. And so the companies that you're working for are based in Oklahoma City, Texas, and Denver. And uh, that's a lot harder to keep a program going. So they're going to need to uh, look at that aspect of it, teach more with brokers. But also, they're going to have to look at all the other substances. I mean, Wyoming is a big substance for uranium, for coal. Uh, several of their people are working in the coal profession. Um, uh, a lot of renewables. We have a lot of wind in Wyoming. Um, I mean, wind projects. And so, yeah. uh, you know, they, the program has to constantly be evolving as, as it's going along just to survive. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and they fight that all the time because you don't want to get too green on one side and then forget that you're, you know, doing oil and gas and uranium and coal. But at the same point in time, you've got to get the people in there to take the classes and do the program. Right. And and do you think, you know, uh, the, the small mom and pops, do you think they, the, the local businesses, you know, like the Wolds, um, the Trues come to mind? you know, how could they try and help benefit that PLM program? Do you think? Well, they support it a lot financially. They take internships. They do a lot right now, but it's not like working for Exxon. I mean, right. so if your idea of to be a landman is you want to go work for Chevron Corp, well, you know, do you go here? Or do you go to o OU, Oklahoma University? And, right. uh, 
you know, where Chevron is a major hirer of people or something along that line. So, you know, it's, it's a different thing. It's a more in Wyoming is a more independent based mm-hmm. economy than a corporate based economy. So if you want to go in house and be a, you know, corporate Exxon guy, you probably got to go down to the Permian basin or something like that. So. Sure. And, um, let's jump gears a little here, Mark. You you kind of hit on uh, WAPL. Um, let's kind of jump into AAPL, and you've hit on a little bit of that. Um, tell me the story of, uh, so you were the president of WAPL. Um, what was it like being the national president of AAPL? Well, that was kind of cool. I'm, uh, I have the honor, I guess, uh, of being the only person in the history of AAPL to ever be president from the state of Wyoming. So I think that's really cool. Um, they've had uh, 60, I think we're on our 64th president now. Uh, it's been in existence since 1955. And it's the national organization. When I was president, we had a little over 20,000 landmen that were members across North America. And AAPL uh, handles Canada also. So you have all of the United States plus all of Canada. Uh, Right now, the membership is down again, just because of the slowdown in the professions, about 15,000 right now. But it's really, it's really high end. The people that are involved with AAPL, I've told this story to friends before, it's kind of like working in a room where everyone in the room is the class president. I mean, it's the highest, highest quality people that you can deal with. And these are people in all these companies and it's corporate and it's independence and it's, you know, doing all these other types of things. But you see, I've made friends there, uh, you know, that, that were everything. And, you know, in the old days when I was WAPL president, I was kind of in my niche here in Wyoming. You know, I can, I can make recommendations now for landmen anywhere in North America uh, by just picking up the phone. I mean, your contacts and your, your Rolodex, if you will, that really dates me. But your Rolodex, if you will, uh, uh, really uh, allows you to, uh, you know, to see a much wider view. And you work uh, offshore and you do, you know, uh, Native American uh, Louisiana is Napoleonic code, totally different land title than uh, anything else in the Rockies. And so, you know, you see all these different things. So it was a great experience. I really enjoy it. I'm still involved heavily with it. And, uh, but uh, my time as president is, I was president in 1516, 2015, 2016. Gotcha, gotcha. So not, not that too far long ago. Um, no, not too far. Um, so you've hit on a lot of different things. What, what are some other things that are super important for, you know, an independent landman? Say like for me, if you were telling, you were giving me advice, um, I'm a member of both AAPL and, and WAPL, but what are some other advantages um, that are important um, to be active in those organizations? Well, uh, one of them, which is really important is, is I think you've got to continually be educating yourself. And you've got to constantly be learning something new. That one of the other distinctions, I'm one of the very few presidents of AAPL that I don't have a college degree. 
And so, uh, you know, I kind of came into it through the apprentice. I left in my senior year of college from Montana State to go to work in Williston. Right. And uh, so I never got my college degree. And, you know, and that in and of itself at AAPL, uh, because they're so highly educated, uh, you, you know, that was a little bit of a situation. But mm -hmm. I've always been an independent um, but a lot of big companies, another reason why you should, not only to build the networks and your experience, so education is really big, networking is huge because you're going to find out like you are, you know, here in Wyoming, sometimes Wyoming's not very busy. Well, if you've got those relationships and you can go to Texas or to Louisiana or whatever, uh, you know, you constantly stay busy. Right. Um, the other thing is a lot of super major companies uh, will not hire you unless you are an AAPL member. And so uh, it's just the quality of people that they want to be. So yeah, can you do it without being an AAPL member? Sure. But again, you're not going to get certain jobs because certain companies won't hire you. Mm -hmm. And at the same point in time, again, if you're calling yourself a layman, why wouldn't you be involved in your national organization? Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you still involved with AAPL? Yeah, um, I serve, uh, this is kind of fun. I serve uh, as the chairman of COP, which is C-O-P-P. And COP is a standing advisory committee of AAPL, and it is the Council of Presidential Perspectives. It's a think tank of AAPL. And the only way that you can be on that committee is you have to be a living past president of AAPL. So it's all the members of it, there's 30 some members of it are all past presidents of AAPL. And then uh, the president uses us as a sounding board or research facility for them. It brings in all the historical perspectives as to why you know certain things were done when they were. And, uh, we just gave, and there's a big thing going on at AAPL right now on the definition of land work. And we mm -hmm. consulted on that, and they're rewriting the definition so that more and more people can be involved in the profession. So it's it keeps my, my hands in it, but uh, it's I'm working with a group of people that I really enjoy, and I know all of them, you know, on a first name basis. Right. That sounds really cool. In regards to so the acting president will use you guys as kind of a uh, uh, well advisory board, uh, right. you know, to 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 uh, kind of go over the history books. That's kind of a, a neat idea. And um, what the, well, or new ideas. AAPL is constantly generating new programs and ideas all the time. We can work for at their request for the EVP, which is the executive vice president of AAPL, the executive committee which basically runs AAPL and, uh, and the president. And so that upper group of management uses us for their, for their benefits. So. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. Um, all righty. Let's, uh, so you, so outside of being president of AAPL, president of WAPL, um, you had the, the ability or, or the, uh, the opportunity to serve under a governor, uh, is it Geringer? Yeah, um, and that was in the early 2000s. Um, you were both you were on both the Wyoming State Energy Commission um, and then what was called the Wyoming State Pipeline Authority. That's correct. Um, yeah. yeah. What uh, what did you learn 
in that in that service on both of those uh, boards? Uh, actually, I thought it was uh, Garner was a was a Republican governor, and uh, very few people don't realize it, but uh, Wyoming does not have a Department of Energy as a standing committee of the state government. A lot of states do. You're national. You have the Department of Energy on the you know on the presidential level. And uh, Geringer back in that time period uh, wanted to develop our assets. When you're getting 61% of your revenue in the state is coming from extraction, coal, uranium, oil, gas, the other mining products, wind, all those different types of things. He thought that it was important to develop uh, a program where Wyoming would actually uh, take lead of its own commodities. In other words, uh, instead of just harvesting stuff here and then shipping it somewhere else to be manufactured, how could we employ more people in the state of Wyoming? How could we maximize the benefits? And, uh, and that's what the Energy Commission did. And he built it. Uh, it was a really interesting group. Um, I think we had, I want to say, 15 or 21 members, that's been a while ago, I can't remember. Let's say we had 21. Well, they did seven top Democrats, seven top Republicans, and they were the heads of the revenue committees and all these types. So it was the top people in state government, and then seven people from industry. And I was from the industry side of things, but it had like the executive drilling supervisor for Marathon was on this group and they were writing policies for the state of Wyoming on, you know, how can we best develop our assets and do all these things. And then uh, we spun out of that into the uh, pipeline authority. I finished as the uh, chairman of the uh, energy commission uh, uh, at the end when it was uh, finished, but uh, we moved from that into the pipeline authority and the pipeline authority was interesting. It had bonding authority for, I want to say, $4 billion of pipelines, state pipelines. And uh, so people would come in and you'd have, uh, you know, Joe Pipeline Company would come in and say, well, we want to build an eight-inch pipeline, you know, for this particular area. Right. And we would regulate and look at that and say, well, let's build a 36-inch pipeline and do this. And so instead of allowing companies to just come in and dictate where they were going to put stuff, this organization actually set policy and said, instead of just being a price taker, we're going to set the price. We're yeah. going to, Wyoming is going to be producing gas. And if you guys don't want to build it, we will you know, and we'll take it and go from there. And so it was a very strong uh, organization, had a lot of really top quality people on it. Uh, Mark Dolger out of Casper uh, was on it for a long time. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it helped. I think a lot, of, um, a lot of pipeline activity and stuff got developed in the state of Wyoming because of it. You, um, I, wanna, I wanna hit on this before I ask you this next question. It sounds like he was trying to be, um, I don't want to say diversification, but trying to be kind of forward thinking of, you know, um, keep keep jobs here. You know, how can we keep our natural resources here and develop it here in Wyoming? No, that's very true. Uh, the other thing was at the time when we were doing the Energy Commission, 
was the time, and in, in, if you've been around in, in energy in this state for a long time, there was a period of time when they were talking about building corridors where they wanted to run all the pipelines and you know all these different things through that. Well, that happened in and around the era of 9 11. Mm. Uh, and uh, from a security standpoint, it really wasn't a good idea to build stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but also the more interesting thing was they were going to put like all the high power transmission lines from the power plants and the pipelines and everything in the same areas, you know, and, make, and we found out through all the research and stuff we did that the, the two substances didn't play really well together. And so, you know, it wasn't a real great idea to put a, you know, high voltage power line in the same place as your pipelines were at and everything. Right. So, it, I mean, it was a learning phase. We tested a lot of stuff, uh, but by having both a balance of Democrats and Republicans in very high ranking committees, plus industry, industry would come in and go, oh, well, you should do this, this, and this. And the House and the Senate were there and say, yeah, yeah, but we can't do that because this is what the state law is and uh, or that's not going to work. So, I mean, it, it was one of those things where it really kind of balanced and worked for the betterment, betterment of the state of Wyoming. And I wish they would have continued it. Um, but, uh, you know, now everything is so political, you know, and those committees are so heavily you know, left or right or whatever. And so you fight all the time. This one was so balanced that it actually made sense. Right. Yeah. And kind of, that kind of leads me into this, you, you know, in your, uh, you know, professional and personal opinion, having that kind of experience looking to the future here for the state of Wyoming, what are some things that maybe we should consider uh, in, in the environment that our, in, our industry is in right now? Well, you, you have a catch-22 in the state of Wyoming, and this is what we work with with the PLM program is, you know, do you bring in a big power plant or a processing facility to process, say, uranium? Well, we've got the raw substance, but then you don't have any manpower or anything to, you know, to operate that. And so you get into a catch-22 of, you know, what are we better with with that substance? Are we better to encourage development and exportation or do we bring jobs and the profession in here and we build uh, that you think think about it a second like in the coal mining industry strip mining coal you have some of the biggest equipment out there you know the biggest tractors the biggest dredges the biggest trucks well why are we not designing those here you know the point is is we've got the we've got the the requirement here but yet we're hiring them all in from other corners of the world, um, you know, to do that. For instance, uh, uh, wind. So you have all the wind generation for years and years. A lot of the blades and the towers for wind development were foreign. And so we we're bringing in all these. So the question was, well, why don't we make them in Casper and, and you know, manufacture them? Well, the, the whole process and the expertise to get people to do that, you know, you've got the substance, but you don't necessarily have, you know, yeah. the, the people and the equipment and stuff to be able to do that. So. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, I think, almost, you can almost point any industry in Wyoming is kind of, that's where we're at. You know, they yeah. talk about tech, you know, bring tech jobs. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's always that uh, catch-22. Um, 
it was always a good thing because they were working, the University of Wyoming, I'll give them a, a applause there, really advanced. I mean, they had some of the top uh, computers in the world are now based out of, out of uh, Wyoming and, and some of those types of things. And for years and years, they were striving to be the kind of the MIT of the West. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really, really advanced education for development and engineering and, and all those types of things. And, you know, they've got unlimited monies down there between what they get from the extraction business. Plus, there's so many wealthy families in the state that donate. I mean, they built an engineering school that rivals some of the top engineering schools in the country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and those are great things. I mean, you just... But it starts from that side. You got to bring in great teachers, and then you got to build all this. And you know, A leads to B, which ultimately, hopefully, gets to G. You know, and you, yeah. you kind of keep working it along the way. But but having the state and the government and the legislature and the university and the industry all work together really starts getting you down the road. So. Yeah, awesome. Um, so you mentioned that so. Um, are you originally from Montana then, Mark? No, I uh, was born in Iowa, went all the way up through high school in northern Illinois, but I went to high school uh, in Thermopolis, Wyoming. Okay. And uh, so I went through high school in Thermopolis, uh, and then my parents got divorced, and uh, my side of the family migrated to Bozeman, Montana, and, uh, and then I came up you know, I got into the oil and gas industry through the Williston Basin and then ultimately back down. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, you know, from traveling around, you had so many, um, you know, different experiences. How did you choose Wyoming and what makes it special for you? Well, we had a lot of, even when we were in North Dakota working, uh, we had a lot of projects and, and work down here. And when Kathy and I got together, kind of the merger from these two big brokerage companies up in North Dakota, we kind of said, you know, where should we go? What should we do? Because they're already in North Dakota. And a lot of our mutual clients said, Hey, we need people in Wyoming. And if you move, we originally moved to Cheyenne because mm-hmm. of the federal and state offices. And then that's how Hanson and Strawn got formed because we were a big company right there in the state capital. So we could handle all of that. And, uh, yeah, so A, A just kind of brought about everything else. You know, just kind of kept moving it along. So. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, well, um, you've been in the industry a long time. You've mentioned it. You've already retired once. Uh, maybe this the second time will stick. Uh, as you get closer to it, you know, what are you kind of looking forward to? Um, and then how do, you, how do you look to stay involved? You know, you kind of mentioned some already some things that you're – you know, actively involved in, uh, but is there anything else that you uh, might try to stay involved with the profession? Yeah, uh, in my side of it, uh, Kathy's a little bit different viewpoint than I am, but I've been so heavily involved in the political side of it at the state politics and the federal politics level. I'll probably always keep my hand in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing we always did when we had the brokerages and everything else, we didn't allow our people that worked for us to ever do their own deals. You had to work for, we were specifically working for our clients. It's just the ethical standards that we put in place. So even though I retire from doing say major brokerage or something along that line, 
I can still do my own projects and buy minerals and, you know, get involved with deals. And I have so many friends at my age level that are like heads of companies and stuff, you know, and we've all talked about, well, why don't we get together and go do this and do those types of things. So, you know, uh, one part of me says I'm tired and I kind of like to sleep and, uh, you know, that would be a good thing. But uh, the other part of me is uh, I'm always looking at something new. And so I have a feeling I'm going to always be involved in it. And, and literally after 40 some years doing this, about the only thing I really, you know, feel comfortable and, and knowledgeable on. And so I probably will keep it involved in that particular level. Right. Well, you mentioned it. It's uh, it's new every day, and that that does keep yeah. that kind of level of excitement of learning something new. And um, you know, there's always opportunity. The uh, governor released uh, some extra funds for the energy rebound program. I think some details are still coming out about that. But um, just kind of a quick reaction. You know, um, um, you know, do you think that was? Uh, um, you know, or how, how do you think that will help the oil and gas industry as we're kind of getting to the end of 2020? You know, uh, it's a reaction uh, to a need that's currently out there, but um, it's, it's just one step along the way. Uh, yeah. Wyoming is so driven by price. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can produce a barrel of oil in the Permian Basin, uh, you know, for a third of what it costs to drill and produce a barrel of oil and the powder, it's always going to be an issue in the powder. I mean, the Wyoming really succeeded in its oil and gas, you know, when we've got 80 to $100 barrel of oil. It's kind of like North Dakota. And so right now, I think you're going to be subject to the consolidation of the people that are here. Yeah. You know, the big companies are going to get bigger, the little guys. I feel sorry for that. You know, a few years ago, there was a ton of, of small companies that kind of spun off and started their own things and all that type of stuff. And right. because of the pricing thing and the banking situation, they kind of have all had their hats handed to them. And so if you're not being absorbed by some bigger company, you're probably, that's not working for you really well. So although the state legislature is doing something, which I admire, uh, you know, it's just a part of the big of the yeah. big puzzle, and you got to look at it from that standpoint. There's right. certain things that government will never be able to do to help the industry. It's just going to require price. So, yeah, and that I think that's a message for everything. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> the, the government's not going to solve every problem, but they can at least you know do some steps or do something. But um, well, acknowledging that the problem exists is a good thing because then they'll work towards other solutions, and right. so. I applaud that aspect of it, but, uh, you know, the project itself, I don't know that it's going to employ a ton of extra people. I don't know that it's going to make a, a major difference, uh, but, uh, but it's a start, you know, it's something we should always look at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, uh, to, to send us off, do you have any, um, kind of words of encouragement, um, to maybe someone like me, uh, or just really anyone in general, um, living in Wyoming, you know, I, I watched the governor speak today in regards to, um, you know, he's kind of pushing the public to take some more better precautions, you know, any, any sort of words of encouragement uh, to end out 2020? Yeah, um, you know, especially from a landman standpoint, um, 
it's a great profession to be in. Uh, you should not, you know, you always need to kind of look at it at a level keel because when it's really, really busy, it gets really stupidly busy. And, you know, and when it's really slow, it's really slow. But energy is uh, always in need. Um, you know, everybody would like to go to renewable resources, but yet at the same point in time, there's nothing out there that replaces coal, uranium, oil and gas as, as a major contributor to energy. So you're always going to get that cyclic motion, just like ranching or farming. Sometimes the price of cows are better than, you know, than uh, raising wheat. And uh, you've got to be adaptive. And so as long as you look at that and as long as you continually, I use the downtimes to educate myself further. So don't sit on your laurels figure out what you can learn to make you more valuable in the market and uh, you'll always find that you're working i've worked every single day in this profession that i've wanted to and uh you know you just constantly have to grow with it and uh, and you'll do fine you'll do fine with it awesome i love it well thank you mark I, again i appreciate your time um and uh maybe we'll do this again sometime that sounds good it's great talking to you yeah thanks Thank you for listening to that interview with Mark Strawn. If you enjoy our interviews, please like, share, and subscribe. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Any support you give to the show would be greatly appreciated. Um, thank you for listening, and go be Wyoming.